Welcome to Divine Messy Human. I'm your host, Amanda Kate. This podcast is for the messily human, the ones who are trying their best and making mistakes. It is for those who want to embrace their messiness and learn to love it, realizing life gives us all lessons we need to learn. This is a space with no judgment, one where it is safe to show up as your whole authentic self and explore your mind, body, and soul. A word of warning, I can be a spiritual sailor, so if salty language offends, just cover your ears on occasion. I hope you enjoy this episode. I am super excited today to be with Harrison uh, Mega. How do I say your last name? I should have asked that before we started recording. Good question. Uh, Ma, so it's pronounced Ma. a tricky one. Uh, Do you know, Ma, I figured as soon as I saw it, I was like, it's going to be one of those yep. names. <laughs> that intuition already picking up strong. <laughs> I know. And the Aussie in me wants to pronounce all of the letters. Yet the <laughs> that intelligence goes, that's not quite the way it works. <laughs> Harrison Ma runs with the wolves, known as the spiritual love coach and host of the cosmic love antenna. He is light and shadow integrated and personified through a life lived from the heart. He helps spiritual beings reconnect to their cosmic heart space and reclaim the remembrance of who they truly are through what he calls mind, body, soul synchronizing. In his work, Harrison helps individuals pull back the layers of the onion that restrict health, alignment and love. His unique imprint around personal transformation joins individuals with empathy and balance through a journey of loving personal change. A big mission. Ooh, I could listen to you speak about that all day, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it. We connected um, through your podcast, actually, and just had such an incredible conversation. So I was desperate to, you know, introduce you to my audience and just have another conversation because it was a great deep dive. So talk to us a little bit about how you got into what you're doing now. Mm. So it, and we were talking about this as we started to record, right? For me, it's becoming more of a necessity to show up as more of me, right? I think is the simplest way to answer that question. Mm. And as I was moving through a lot of dark nights of the soul in my early to mid twenties, I had moments where I had the choice to step in. Mm. But when I say I had the choice, it was, it felt like at the time I was kicking and screaming, right? I was, I was being pulled. Mm. I've, I've, I've explained it on my show. I went through a lot of pain around, you know, being deported with, things being taken out of my world that I thought identified me, you know, all the Mm. ego stuff. And I very quickly saw that there was a light inside of me that wanted to be expressed, like as we all have. So I got into this work purely from a space of, you know, what is that light? What Mm. is it inside of me that wants to be expressed? And four or five years later, it's where I'm at now. I love it. It's really interesting that you, you know, you sort of mentioned those wake up calls and the dark nights of the soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Explain a little bit more about that for people who don't quite understand what they are. I actually did one of my early episodes on dark yeah. nights of the soul because 
I think there's a lot of misinformation about them. So how do you describe them? How do you experience them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I first, I just want to say, I'd recommend people go listen to our chat on my show because yeah. you shared your dark night of the soul with me. And it was, I think it's a beautiful example of, uh, you know, what this is. And I'm happy that you did an mm -hmm. episode on it. So put simply, it's when the ego masks or the ego personas or the ego identities that we have held for so long as our truth are suddenly taken away due to God, divine source, you know, higher calling coming in and not, I won't say being impatient, but really lovingly encouraging us to see the light, mm -hmm. right? And the darkness comes from, and the pain comes from, us not wanting to let go, right? I don't want to, so as an example in my life, right? I didn't want to let go of the, the boy or the young man that identified himself as how much he could drink or how many drugs he could take or how many women he could sleep with. And when that was taken away from me, there was a lot of pain there. There was a lot of, what the hell do I do? Yeah. Who am I without yeah. this? Yeah. And it's that real crisis of, of who am I? What am I? What is the I? It gets into all that existential questioning. And it's interesting because I'm actually, funnily enough, coming out. Well, I'm maybe, maybe I'm coming out of another one now. So the last couple of months I've been going through another stripping yeah. back. And I think yeah. that's one of the things. You mentioned the, um, the onion layers in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I think it's the best way to explain it. And sometimes I think it's really misleading um, because there is no middle to that onion. No. So talk to me about how that sort of feels for you, that peeling back, how you use that analogy. Well, I start by saying what you're saying is helping people to see that their value, their worth their identity that you were just alluding to is in the peeling itself, mm. right? It's not in a, another destination. Cause if, if people listening, it's easy to fall into a trap because I fell into this trap. Once we start to awaken and connect to our divine presence, divine source, higher power, whatever you want to call it, we then fall into the trap of the spiritual ego. And what the spiritual ego does is it defines its identity through this awakening process, i.e. I'm going to awaken to some point in the future where I've ascended into Christ consciousness. I have a halo above my head and I'm now, that's my goal. That's what I'm going to be. And then I'll be good. Yeah. But that too is another, that's another ego persona. That's another ego destination. So going back to your question, I define the layers, the onion layers as, you know, it's the process. If we can fall in love with the becoming then that's the unlock, right? That's the unlock in that whole process. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that fall in love with the becoming. I think so often it's in that happiness of pursuit going, oh, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when. And you're right. If we're not happy along the way, we're never going to be happy when. That makes so much sense, doesn't it? When when it's said out loud, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, you remember that much like most things, 
happiness too is not an outside dependent component. Mm. It is, it's in you already. Yeah. You don't do a thing and get happiness. You bring happiness to the thing. Beautiful. Mm. I love that. Yeah. So when you talk about yeah. ego, how do you define that? Because there's a lot, mm. again, lots of different people define this in different yeah. ways. How do yeah. you define ego? Good question. Cause I agree. I think, and I love all of the perspectives out there. I think they're all valuable yeah. in their own way, but they, but for a newbie that's, that's listening and you're new to this world it can be so overwhelming. It's like asking what is love or what is the soul or what is God, right? It's all, it's we'll get to those. We'll get to those. <laughs> um, so the, the ego, I would simply define as our individual identity, right? The, the, the human expression of this eternal spiritual being that we are, mm -hmm. right? And it is a lens of godliness, right? It is a way in which the oneness that is all of us can express itself in a human individual form. That's probably the simplest way I could describe it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. For when we do the archetypal work, it's very much looking at it as that the ego is the personality. And it's the bit yes. that helps us actually navigate this 3D world. Yes, that's important to hear because in the spiritual world, there's so much talk around, I'm sure you've heard this, around we need to kill the ego, we need to transcend the ego, we need to punish the ego. And See, you got to where I was going next. Yep. Where, where are your thoughts on all of that sort of stuff? I mean, yeah. 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 Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. It. Let's go. So my thoughts are, it's not about the ego. It's about what we are filtering through it. Right. In, in my book, as an example, right. I talk about the unhealthy ego, right. We all, most of us, myself included, mm -hmm. right. We have an unhealthy ego. And what does that mean? It means that our individual self-expression is is full of unintegrated, unhealed shadows that our divine expression of divinity, love, source, God, it's, it's being filtered through the shit, mm. right? So as I, Harrison, I would just give an example to highlight this, right? Mm. I, Harrison, the individual human, I want to show up in my fullest presence, right? In my fullest radiant godliness. But if I, Harrison, I'm also becoming identified by my limiting beliefs of unworthiness, my childhood trauma of rejection, my suppressed emotions of guilt and shame. Each of those aspects clogs up my ego. So now it's, it's blocked or it's compressed. And now my individual expression is not the godliness. It's those unprocessed shadows and now they're being expressed rather than the, the essence. Mm. Oh, I love that description. I, I often think of it that same way. It's like, we've got our main bit, but then there's all of these bits that we've kind of cut off and suppressed and hidden away yep. and pretended aren't there or we're ashamed of, or all of those different That's, things. Yep. And it stops us fully expressing and fully realizing. Yep. I know for me, I didn't, no, it was an unhealthy expression until I knew as well. And I think that's sometimes the hard bit because then you look back and you're like, oh, crap. And, <laughs> and the, the funny part is we know last. And mm. what, I mean, what I mean by that is 
we're we're projecting through our ego whether we are conscious this is so important to hear whether we are consciously aware of it or not and this that's the problem most yeah. of this un, this unhealthy ego is unconscious so what does that mean it means that this is showing up in our external world right it's showing up in our relationships right it's, it's showing up as that that those partners that keep rejecting you keep abandoning you keep showing up as unhealthy and it's not them right yes they have their own shit yeah. But why are they in your world? Well, it's because you're attracting from this unprocessed place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it can be so hard to work out, you know, <laughs> although I have this theory and I want to hear what you think about it. You know, we talk about that mirror world yep. and the fact that, you know, the outside world reflects the inside world and vice versa. Yep. Now, I have a couple of examples in my life where I go, it was more used for me, certainly, as like a confirmation that I was on the right track. And it oh. felt very much like I needed to learn a lesson for them or not for them. But so I'll use the example. My ex-husband was sending me some delightful emails um, right through our marriage, but also then through the divorce process about how I was a terrible mother and a horrible role model for the children and all of that. Now, the first time I read it, I was like, oh, my God, you know, devastation, all the things. Then I actually worked out if I read it as though he was writing it to himself, mm -hmm. it made more sense because I know I'm not a terrible mother, even at my worst. Okay. I've traumatized my kids hand up. Cause that's my role in life. Really? Let's face it as a human being, we are going to create trauma patterns in our children. Sucks to know. Mm, However, we've got to accept it. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we've actually got to hold the mirror back at some people who are projecting their stuff on us because we don't actually need to own that we need yeah. to recognize the projection yep. and so yes while we are experiencing it from our human perspective yeah. i think sometimes it's also that we need to learn and recognize that that's a time that we need to turn the mirror around and hold yep. it back to face them what do you think of that because i've had some people agree with that and some people go yeah and i figure it's all just different expressions of the same thing but yeah <laughs> So, and I love this. I love how we're getting into the nuances of this because this mm. is where nuances is where true wisdom lies, in my opinion. I think you're 100% true. And it, what you're 100% correct and what you're describing is the difference between the law of reflection and the law of resonance. So we are, we are always reflecting. There is always a reflection for us. The question is, is that reflection something we need to heal or is that reflection something we've already healed and we can acknowledge it as a, a truth that's now in us that we can support others with, right? And that's your example highlighted that. So both are happening. Right? How you learn, so the law of reflection, I would count as that's when something is reflected that we need to heal. It's a trigger, right? And we know what that feels like, right? It's you see something in someone and you feel a heaviness or you feel a tightness or you feel a reaction, that's something unhealed. But if you see something in someone and you're expanded or you're excited or you want to love on them, like in your example, that there's still a reflection there, but now it's resonance and you've most likely done this lesson before, integrated this lesson, 
and you have love to give the situation, the external situation. Mm, I love that description. I think that is so, so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> because we yeah, need awareness. Somebody, we need yeah. awareness, right? Yes. And I think that is so, so important. Now, you mentioned at the very beginning, because I'm going to circle back to that a little bit, you said about the callings, how you were getting callings and you know, I remember batting away a number of my callings. And what did somebody say? First, it's like a little pebble, then it becomes a rock, and then it yeah. becomes a boulder, and then it's a Mack yeah. truck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How did you experience your callings? Mm. How did you start to recognize they were callings? And finally, because it's always the last one, isn't it? How did you actually start acting on the callings? Uh, yeah. I could listen to your laugh all day, my friend. Um, so the word that comes up is fear, right? Fear is, was, is the answer to both your questions of how did I recognize and what did I do to step in? And when I say fear, what I mean is fear of the unknown, right? Fear of this is not my comfort zone. This is not what I'm used to. This is not what's kept me safe and secure for so long. But at the same time as this fear, there is a pull, right? There's, so we, you asked me to define the ego, right? The flip side to the ego is our soul, is our eternal spirit, is, our, is the place that that calling is coming from. And how we recognize that is it's not just the pull we feel, but we feel expansion, right? We feel lightness. We feel, and this is hard to put a sensation on, but I'll describe it anyway. We feel an urge to take the step and we will be supported in it. Okay. So it's a combination of this reactionary fear of, I can't do that. But then a simultaneous knowing inside of you that you don't need to know all the things you don't need to have this perfect. You don't need to have to even have the logical steps formulated. There's just a knowing that this is what needs to be done and you'll be supported through it. Oh, I love that. It's interesting because so many people, when I've been a guest on podcasts, have asked me or said, you're so brave for leaving your marriage. And I was like, there was no choice. No. And it was, it was that knowing. And I'd had the knowing for such a long time that I had to do it. And eventually those steps just happened it was almost like they were happening for me rather than me doing them because yep. it got to that mac truck stage where yep. you got to get out chicky yeah. <laughs> no staying so and, yeah and this is the distinction just to throw some more terms out mm. there for people this is the distinction between our free will which we're usually making from our unhealed ego versus our divine will right our mm. divine will is the the consciousness of god spirit divine that's in us that is encouraging us to make steps without us knowing the answers mm. yeah that's beautiful i feel like that's how i've lived my last seven years <laughs> yeah i used to say that being on this or i still say that being on the spiritual path is like I don't know if you've ever been on a stage where there's the dry ice going across and you can't quite see the stage. It's a little bit like that. And you're just taking steps, hoping to hell. Yeah. There's still stage there and image. you're not going to end up yeah. in the orchestra pit on yeah. your face. That's it. <laughs> right. It's, 
it, my favorite, I share this on podcasts all the time, right? It's my favorite Rumi quote, right? The way appears once we start to walk it, mm. right? So it's, it's that beautiful image that you just described. The thing that wants the certainty, the thing that wants the perfection, the thing that wants the whole path to be seen before we take the step is not our spirit, right? It's our ego that most likely from unhealed wounds wants it to be perfect so we don't get hurt again, right? So we don't get abandoned again. So we don't get rejected again. So we don't, you know, but if we start to heal those wounds, then we can allow that spirit to actually guide us more. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned before about the physical body and the reactions that are going on. The more you've followed the divine will, talk to me about how your relationship with those have changed. In terms of the body responses that mm. are coming up. So this is an interesting one because this is, it's so deep, right? I, in my journey, I, for me, this is like a new thing, right? I've, I have a lot of knowledge around it, but even I can admit that there's just so much depth to this sensitivity that starts to awaken, but I would describe it in a couple of ways. One an awakening of something I refer to as your clear senses. Okay. And I'm not sure if you've started to talk about this yet on your show, but for the people new to it, your clear senses are in the simplest way of describing them are the spiritual versions of your, your main physical senses, right? So we have our seeing, our hearing, our tasting, our touching, our smelling, right? I would say we have a spiritual non-physical version of those senses. So the one that people will probably be some aware of where it's around is your clairvoyance, mm -hmm. right? Seeing beyond the physical or your clairaudience, hearing beyond the physical or your clairsentience, feeling a lot beyond the physical. So for me, one of the things that's developed as I've allowed more of my divine will to dictate my path, I've, I've got hits along those senses. So I'll give a very specific example. My clairsentience has become more active. And for me, what that looks like is chills along my skin, right? Or goosebumps when particular messages come through or sensations, clear feelings along my skin that affirm a spiritual nudge. Yeah. I love that. And in terms of where you, I guess, direct your focus in terms of the unhealed bits, yeah. how do those sensations come through? Because obviously very, very different. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I would classify it as if we go super broad, mm. okay, because I want to make this as simple as possible to understand. Source, God, that is us. It speaks through expansion. It speaks through lightness. It speaks through softness. It, th it speaks through bliss. It speaks through joy. Not source, everything else. So fear, pain, separation, all the things that those, those traumas are made of, right? We'll speak through compression. We'll speak through tightness. We'll speak through heaviness. We'll speak through denseness, right? So this will be unique to everyone, the nuances of it. But as soon as you start to connect to those two different categories, you then can start putting in, oh, I feel tight right now because I'm reacting from this past pain of abandonment, right? That's, that's where I would start. Mm, yeah. 
I love that. I think we need to be so present in our body to be able to feel both that past information and also the divine guidance that we're getting. And it's funny, people ask me for, you know, the the big things that are going to get them to notice this stuff quicker. And I'm going, breathing, becoming present and doing less. And they're like, oh. Damn it. It sounded so easy. (laughs) And I think, you know, what comes up when we start talking about this, especially in relation to the body, is this is also why it's so important along this awakening path to not fall under the limiting belief that the body needs to be transcended. Mm. Right? This is, I've done a few episodes on this on my show. There's, in, in all of the world teachings, you can find at least one piece of in my opinion dogma that says the physical body must be left behind if you wish to awaken and if you have been listening to anything we've been saying thus far that doesn't jive right because how do we experience spirit how do we heal the things that need to be healed we heal it here and now presence like you said but we heal we heal it here and now through the body Yeah. And I think that is such a vital piece of the puzzle, the same way that we desperately need the ego. We also desperately need the body to be able to experience a full human experience, which is what we've chosen to be. So all these people that talk about that 5D ascension and all of that, it's going, you've got to be appreciating and loving the 3D. Yeah to be able to experience that multidimensionality that is that spiritual world. But also how then do we bring that spiritual awareness and information into the 3D so that we can live it? Because this is where we've chosen to be. Otherwise we're just denying it and bypassing all the hard stuff. (laughs) Could not have said it better myself. I think it's so interesting when we start to look at that spiritual bypassing, because let's face it, it's a place that we've all got to go through on that awakening journey. So what were some of the bypasses that you took to get (laughs) to where you are now? Because I do find it really interesting. People have only really started talking about spiritual bypassing in my awareness in the last, what, couple of years-ish? Yeah. And I think it's so vital to start recognizing where we are at or some of the ones that we're folly to. Yeah. So and I there's a big sigh there because it's not a it's not an old thing for me. It's a current no. thing. Like it's it's because you're human. A, I'm human. Right. <laughs> and this is I catch myself in this like on a weekly where I'm doing it. So, oh, that's what you're doing. So I guess <clears throat> I'll, I'll give a general example of something mm. I, I often do. It's in the feeling of the feelings. And what I mean by this is, let's say I'm going through something, something traumatic, uh, a relationship ending, it's something recent in my life. And there's a lot of grief coming up around that. It would be easy for me, and I, I do this, to jump on my mat, connect into my divine source, get to those 5D heights, as you said, and feel great, connect to the oneness, right? As um, a lot of the mystics say, connect to God, right? But I've found that I'll be good on the mat and I'll feel great. And then I'll get back into my day 
and very quickly I'll get back into the same niche or the same groove of sadness, anger. And it's because I have gotten to the heights, but I didn't address the reason for the grief or the reason the sadness was coming up or the old rejection abandonment wound that was needing to be soothed. So I experienced this when in my life when I ignore the feeling of the feelings right? because mm. I just want to feel good. Yeah, that is a beautiful example. It really is. I often see it. Um, I haven't done this one myself so much, but it's that always putting the power outside of yourself. Mm. And whether that be the latest guru or the latest book or the latest (laughs) whatever it is course that we need to do to heal us it's interesting i went through it i guess quite early on but i think early on i also smelled a bit of a rat in that area and so i've i've not been as susceptible to that one but i know there there was certainly a time where i went through I used to think of it more as that 4D space, you know, if you don't do spirituality the way I do, then it's not spiritual enough. Or if you don't do that type of yoga, you're not spiritual enough. Or if you're not vegan, you're not spiritual enough. Or all of those dogma kind of things that are out there. I know I fell prey to a couple of those. Um, But it is interesting when we want to avoid the hard stuff. Yeah. Well, for me, this is where I practice the spiritual tool of compassion, surrender, and acceptance, because I know I avoid the hard stuff because it comes from not wanting to be hurt again, right? It comes from not wanting to be in pain or it comes from, and I truly believe this, when we break down all the shadows, right? All the different traumatic components, they all come down to fear, right? So there's some fear there within me that's causing me to bypass in whatever example I'm applying. So a tool that I use when I catch myself in the bypassing is loving myself or accepting myself or surrendering into myself when with that fear, right? Not letting myself ignore it, not letting myself become it, but really surrendering, accepting and loving through it. Okay. Here's a big juicy one for you. What does surrender mean for you? (laughs) Hmm. So I'll give it a surface level and then I'll go deeper. So yeah. surf, surface, it's very synonymous with letting go. So when I think of surrender, I also think of just, just fully releasing, just fully submerging and stopping of any kind of doing, which is the deeper answer. I connect surrender to the divine feminine the divine feminine that is in my heart, right? For new people to this, I don't mean male physical, female physical. I mean the divine feminine spirit that is in each of our hearts, right? Mm -hmm. We have a divine masculine, we have a divine feminine. Most of us, myself included, we ignore our divine feminine. So when I surrender, I'm allowing myself to be held within my divine feminine heart, right? I the way that I visualize this is the heart of God that's inside of me in that moment of surrender, I'm giving myself permission to submerge into that love, right? Mm -hmm. Without any pushing, forcing, 
doing, attachment, expectation, nothing. All I have to do is just give myself permission to let go into it. Yeah. I find surrender was one of the most challenging things for me to both do and to put words to. And it still is because it's not a giving up. It's so much more active than that in its beingness. It's, it's not a giving up because it contains everything, right? And what I mean by that is I like to give this example, connecting back to the divine feminine I was explaining. When you look at a pregnant woman on, on the couch, and she's not showing it, and she's just sitting there. It'd be very easy for us on the outside to say, there's nothing going on. She's being lazy, she's sitting around, and there's no creation coming from that lazy person. But in reality, what's happening? She's creating the purest, she's connecting into the purest essence of life. There's something from nothing growing into something. And that is our divine feminine surrender. The voidal, last thing I'll say is the voidal consciousness of the feminine inside of us. It, it holds it all, right? So I just say this to all the people out there, myself included, that have that limiting belief of doing is the only value, right? There's just as much value in the non-doing, in the surrender, in the feminine, as there is in the action. Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting because in the first eight archetypes, there's four that are more feminine and four that are more masculine. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting, even though a couple are androgynous, they're more leaning one way or the other. And it's interesting with that balance because we need to go through that flow. And archetypally, you know, the father cannot become the father until the mother has birthed a child into the world so that there is something for them to protect and serve and look after. So we need to do that being and the creative part first. <laughs> and what we want to do is rush to that masculine, let's go. Well, and this connects back to something else you said earlier, uh, the attaching of our power to something outside of us. A lot of those limiting beliefs around only being valuable in the doing comes from a limiting belief in some way that there is a power outside of us that is marking us wrong or right. right? I, this, you're speaking about archetypes. One of the major archetypes is the Imago Dei archetype. And this, for people that are new to this, this is our relationship to a higher power, right? Simply stated, is your higher power inside of you or is your higher power outside of you? Depending on how you answer that question, if you answer it, it's outside of me in some form, then there's going to be a piece most likely unconscious in you that's going to be striving all the time, right? Striving in what? The doing, mm -hmm. the acting, because you are unconsciously afraid that if you're not doing, not acting, you can't have the power. Yeah, that is huge, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. That is a beautiful way of you saying that. I love that. That's opened up a whole yeah. different yes. set of pathways. Yes. yes, I love that question. Yes, because I often ask people, 
you know, I'm working with people from obviously varying levels of, of spiritual awakening and awareness and some aren't on the path at all. So again, we've got to, you know, fit Meet the them. language to yeah. the situation. But I often say to them in a similar vein, at what age did your children become unlovable? Mm. And they look at me like, you're mm. insane. Or they'll cry and go, they're not unlovable, whatever. Yeah. And then when I ask them, so what age did you? Mm-hmm. They're going, oh, you know, about three, four, whatever. And I'm going, <laughs> should we just look at the answer to the other question? <laughs> yeah. And so often we carry those stories of the unlovable unworthiness because we are striving so much for that acceptance outside of ourselves mm-hmm. rather than going in for that love and acceptance and honoring that within us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. And this is why I love talking to different yeah. people about it because everybody mm-hmm. uses different language. And even if it's the same concept you've heard, however many times, yep. that's why certain words just go clink, 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 and all of the cogs go together. It's, I would, I would say, yes, it's the words, but I would also say it's the person's unique expression, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all unique expressions of the oneness of God, right? Of that same power we're just speaking about. And we all have our own unique flair, even if we are saying, as you said, all the same things, right? That's why in my world, you know, I, if you look through my reading list, I, I have all of the 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 big speakers out there right from the Eckhart Tolle to the Wayne Dyers to the Abraham Hicks to the you know all of them and if you've been around the block they all say the same thing that as you said they say the same thing from their unique expression and it only takes that one moment where you open your heart to their unique expression to finally see the thing that you weren't seeing Mm, absolutely no I I think that's incredible and I really enjoy the way that you are able to put some of those things together. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Um, so how do you, in your work, marry together the things that you've learned mm-hmm. with that lived wisdom to obviously help all the people that you help? How do I balance those mm. two things? Mm. Or how do you bring them both in and sort yeah. of, I guess, fishtail them, merge them and, and yeah. bring that unique expression? Yeah. I get out of my own way. I get out of, I'm so happy that we've added the foundation of the ego in this chat now, because now I can refer to that. I can, so I'll give an example when I work with someone one-on-one. I used to, right? This is what I used to do through my ego. I used to plan all the sessions out and I used to, you know, one day we're going to do this thing, next day we're going to do that thing based off the teachers that I've learned from and the structure that they gave me. I was like, this is how I'm going to do it. And it worked and it gave results, but there was, some, there was something missing. And the thing that was missing was me. So what I now do is I still have all that knowledge and that awareness, but instead of showing up and just throwing the book at them and all the things that I know, I allow my guidance, right? My divine will to move through me in the moment to not give all the things, but give the best thing that is needed in the moment, right? The, and this is so important to hear because again, and this, I'll just speak for myself. The reason that we, we usually throw the book at people or say all the things it's coming from a, a place of insecurity. It's coming from a place of 
I'm not enough. So I need to make sure I say all the things. So this person thinks I'm enough. But if we put that to the side for a moment, remember that we've always been worthy, always been enough, always been lovable. Then our presence moves through us. And it, in the context of coaching and supporting people, it will then give us the greatest need of the time. Yeah, it's funny. I remember after my early kinesiology sessions, I'd sit there and go, I didn't check this and I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do the other. And there was this whole list. And one day I was going, everything that was supposed to happen yeah. happened. Yeah. And that's all that needed to happen. Yeah. And if I tested everything I know on a client, they'd be here for weeks. Mm. <laughs> and nobody wants that. Yeah. But it's really interesting, I think, you know, and I like the way you describe that is, is that getting out of the own way to allow yeah. that channel to come through? I get a lot less exhausted these days mm -hmm. when I work with people because I'm connecting into that divine source and not using my energy. My yes. partner always goes, how do you deal with trauma all day? when doesn't it exhaust you and i'm going no not at all the only time it exhausts me is if i'm trying to do the work and i'm not supposed to do the work yes. and this, <laughs> this is another symptom going back to your earlier questions how do we know we're sort of connected to that soul path and that and that mission that's another symptom of it it expresses through the body in a state of ease right it expresses through the body in a state of unbounded energy unbounded potential because that is the characteristic of your source. Your source has no limits, right? It has no restriction. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, I'm going to actually go back to your, I think I closed it to your, I did. I was going to say your bio because <laughs> there was a question in there. That was the one. You talk about the balance mm. of the light and the shadow. Yeah. Explain a little bit more about that because so many people want to talk mm. about light workers yeah. and it's all love and light mm. and all of those sorts of things. Explain to me why you talk about the light and the shadow. Well, another another whole podcast we could do just on the value of the shadow and shadow work and holding the shadow. But I guess I'll just say, and this is one of the reasons I, at the start of my bio, I, I assert that I like to run with the wolves in this example, the wolves are the shadow. And the reason that this is so important to see is if our, another way that I describe source and God that's inside of us, is love, right? That's why my show is called The Cosmic Love Antenna, but it's not any kind of love. It's unconditional love. So what does that mean from a practical lens of light and darkness? From a practical lens, no matter the component inside of me, whether it's light or shadow, it deserves the illuminated unconditional love of my presence equally. Okay. And Again, let's get super practical just so we're, we're sticking with it. If I'm experiencing my shadow coming up, I'm becoming it or I'm projecting it or I'm it's causing me pain. The solution, as we said earlier, is not to bypass that shadow. It's not to ignore it. It's not to suppress it, but it's to meet it with love, right? To meet it with the love of our heart. Yeah. 
I think that's so important because again, we can't just be love and light. No. It's got to be that multidimensional aspect yeah. of recognizing and loving our shadows. Yeah. And that's part of the reason for me, it's that divine messy human. We do have the divine, but we've also got a lot of the messy. And I think yeah. while we're trying to deny and bypass that messy, we're just creating more separation within us. Yes. And like, I love, I've been quoting you since you shared your oh, beautiful, you. your beautiful <laughs> book and that messiness, because it is, that's the perfect example to describe this, right? Let's I'll give an example in my life. When I have deep sadness wounds, shadows coming up or deep inner child wounds, shadows coming up, it doesn't look pretty at all, right? It doesn't, I, I have, you know, I, I, I'm ugly crying. I have all these things coming out. And in that moment, the God that is inside of me, its role, its only role is to love that, right? It's not to try to make it look better, to pretend that this is any less valuable as my quote unquote enlightened state. But another word we used, it's to surrender fully into that moment itself. When you get into one of those states and it's feeling a bit stuck and sticky, mm -hmm. what are some of your processes to shift and clear? Yeah. Because we have to acknowledge that humanness and the stuckness and the stickiness. Yeah. So this is, again, this is the nuance of this. So my processes, I have many. My go-tos are getting out onto the land, getting out onto the ground. For me specifically, it looks like feet on the earth and sun on my skin. My other big one is the breath, but more specific, I, I teach my clients this. I have a chakra cleanse with the breath that I do, and I have you know loving light coming in through each of the senses and cleansing uh, thought forms and emotions and all the things. And both of these processes have the the benefit of doing two things raising our frequency which we need to do right i we need to we can't heal the shadow from the shadow right i can't heal my sadness while i still think i am that sadness i can't heal my inner child wound if i still think i'm that inner child that's rejected so we need to raise our frequency but and this is where we don't want to spiritually bypass once we've raised with the practice in my example, the breath, the earth, the chakras, then we hold the shadow from that place of higher frequency. Yeah. This is that process that I kind of call holing. Mm. And it's the word that I found through Soul Lookman's work, but I've been talking about it in different stages and different ways until I found that word. Because I said, I think the healing journey is us just going back and picking up all those pieces of us that we've lost and cut off and, and learning how, they, how to love them, learning to bring them back into the fold. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. We can't do that from being it, yeah. we need to be able to raise up so that we can have compassion and empathy for it. Yeah, that's detachment, right? That's the whole process of detachment, right? We need to detach and create space from the identified unhealed ego component so we can bring our presence of love to it, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I wanna add something to what you're saying, like the pieces that of, of us that have been cut off in in this perspective they are detached 
but they're not cut off, right? Because this is why they trigger us, right? If I have a, this is in my, my book, my book, I refer to it as a soul fragment, mm. right? When I have, let's you keep using the examples we've been using. If I have an inner child wound of abandonment that I haven't healed, that's in my shadow, it's in my field still, right? Yeah. It's a fragment that's in my field. And that's why I get triggered by it by outside people because they pick up on it in my field. So an image that I can share with people is we're bringing those fragments that are in stasis being triggered. We're bringing them back into our heart when we do that healing. And that image really supports people. Yeah, I love it. I always think of them, you know, we've cut them off behind a big wall. Yes. But even though they're still in yeah. us and still part of us, it's like we're trying to build walls and go, that doesn't exist. Yeah. We just hide that away. Exactly. It always comes out. <laughs> Usually in unresourceful behaviors. <laughs> that's a very, that's a very politically correct way of saying it. Unresourceful behaviors. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it means that I'm not swearing quite so much, yeah. you know. <laughs> I love it. What do you think has been the biggest hurdle you've overcome in walking this path that you're currently walking? Mm. I think I've been asked that question in that way before. What comes to my heart is remembering that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask or support it's not just it's not just okay but it's also not a weakness because i without a whole big backstory i grew up as a little boy that didn't suppress his feelings and his sensitivities and his emotional needs because i was taught it was a weakness i was told i was taught it was unmanly i was taught it meant i was broken or not fitting the mold mm. so as i've awakened and come to reconnect with my sensitivities and emotionality. One of the ways that that old wound has displayed itself is in the divine need of needing support. It would come up and say, no, that's wrong. I'm, I'm broken. I'm going to be ostracized. So it's been a big process for me of really healing myself through that and allowing myself to be nourished by outside people and reminding myself that the, even though I am a powerful spiritual being that has all the answers, I'm also in your divine words, a messy human that doesn't know all the things and needs to be held from time to time. I love that you say that because the way that I talk about prioritizing internal truth over external influence, external influence is very different from external support yeah. and gaining the professional support and building, you know, I tend to term that the internal scaffolding and the external scaffolding, yeah. you know, having all the tools and knowing that we have the answers is beautiful. And also sometimes we need somebody to show us different perspectives on mm -hmm. what we're going through because mm -hmm. we, we have all the answers and also we can't always access all the answers. Yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the eternal paradox, right? That's, again, that's the ego, right? The, where the ego is so vast, our identity is so vast and it's so easily programmable. 
like in the negative way, what let's just not call it negative, let's just call it it's programmable. Mm -hmm. But most of us have it programmed negatively. So we truly do not know what we don't, we truly don't know what we know because outside sources have told us that. So it, even in that, we feel, oh, but it's all negative. Outside sources are all negative. But if we can have a true divine light that knows the truth, that they're never giving you anything, they're just standing in their radiance so you remember yours, then we break through that illusion as well. Oh, that's a beautiful way to put it. Tell us a little bit more about your book because you mentioned it a couple of times and I want to know more about it because when we spoke on your podcast, you were coming up to sort of finishing it. So yeah. feels like it feels like only yesterday. Um, so my book, Your Cosmic Love Antenna, define, embody and, and emit your unique frequency of love is based off a lot of the things we've been talking about here today, and it's based off my podcast at large and what I do in my coaching. And put simply, it's helping you connect to that inner power of love that you are, that unique frequency of love that you are, and then expressing it with the world, right? It's probably the, the Cliff Notes version of it. But what I go into when I'm mindful of in the book is talking about the how, right? Talking specifically, holistically about the how across mind, body, and spirit, right? How do we, as an example, like we've talked about today, how do we move through the mental, the unhealed ego, right? From a physical lens, how do we acknowledge that the body keeps score and that we can release and heal through the body, right? From a spiritual lens, how do we acknowledge that we are both that eternal reservoir of all the answers, but there's all these illusions that we still need to move through. So in the book, I give all those answers. Oh, I love it. Sounds amazing. I am going to have to go on and buy my copy <laughs> so that I can have a read because it sounds incredible. And I know the work you're bringing into the world because you're often on my socials. And so I love, yeah, Thank you, I just love that you're shining your light the way that you are because it's so needed right now. There was something else that you mentioned that you want to speak about your book and Ooh. tell us a bit more about your podcast. Yeah. And poetry, if that's And okay. your poetry, yes, yeah. please. So the podcast, super quick, if you haven't tuned in, I had the beautiful Amanda on the show and my podcast is basically just another expression of me with that same mission of pulling back all the layers to help you illuminate your inner light. And I talked to a lot of masters and also just express some of my teachings on it and you can find it on all platforms. But my poetry is... I think my newest creation at the moment that I'm so excited about. And I noticed after I released my book, I'm wondering if you experienced this, my friend with your book, like the, once the tap was open, it just more started coming. So more creations started coming from the book and the form that it was showing up in was poetry, right? I was just having that divine will direct me into, okay, now I need to spread my voice through poetry and at the time of this release of this podcast, I have a lot of my poetry I'm releasing on my socials and I'm actually launching a container where people can come experience the poetry in a new and exciting way. Oh, fantastic. I've actually read a couple of your poems on socials and they are phenomenal. I love Thank them. You, Amanda. They just hit me in all the right spots, which is exactly what I love. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying the emotionality of it. Mm -hmm. I think people have 
who experiences with any kind of poetry, it's it's a really good way to, we've talked about the shadow today, to alchemize that shadow back into love through the written word. Yeah. Oh, yes, I could soak in that. <laughs> another chunk, another chunk. <laughs> I know there's so many little yeah. bits that I want to go off on tangents on. Next time. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit then, and I know we've sprinkled it in throughout, but I always ask these two questions at the very end. What is your understanding of spirituality? Mm. Well, short answer is everything we've talked about thus far. The concise answer is a connection to a greater whole, right? Bringing all that we are into unity, right? So you can apply that to any current situation, whether it's a physical challenge, mental, emotional, or deep spiritual wound, asking the question, how do I connect this back into my whole? How do I, how I would describe it? How can I love myself fully in this moment and connect it back into my heart space? Oh, I love that. And what does being a divine messy human mean to you? That I have permission to surrender, that I can let go and accept the current moment because I'm worthy, I'm enough, and I'm loved. Brilliant answer. What does permission mean for you? Because I think that's the first time we've used that word. Permission, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's letting go of any identity of influence that I have got stuck in that's outside of me, right? Because if I'm not giving myself permission, what am I, what's the opposite of that? It's I'm waiting because that thing, that person, that energy needs to change before I can do something. So it's, I think permission, how I experience it is, it's detaching from all of those things. Oh, I love that self-sovereignty. Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. I could speak to you all day, honestly. Um, but let's you, just Amanda. finish with where everybody can find you. Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge you, Amanda. Thank you for holding me in your beautiful space. It's so nice. I felt this when you were on my show, but it's a different dynamic being being then held by the person right in their own container and it's just i just feel so nice and and juicy in many ways oh. so thank you for all that you are oh, so thank you. you're welcome people want to tune into my work as you described before you can check me out on social harrison at harrison ma ma spelled m-e-a-g-h-e-r you can also go to my website harrisonma.com uh, the Cosmic Love Antenna is the podcast and also the book that's available on Amazon and reach out. I'm pretty accessible. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so, so much for gracing me with your presence. It has been an absolute delight and I'll definitely get you back. Love you, Amanda. Talk soon. Love you too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Divine Messy Human. I am always learning new ways of being unlearning my old conditioning and repatterning my beliefs to serve myself and others to the highest degree possible. The opinions and beliefs expressed in this podcast are mine and all my guests from personal and learned experience. Please use your own discernment and take what resonates leaving the rest. 
I am constantly evolving and ready to implement new ideas. Harm is never intended. If you loved this podcast, please share, rate and review. Every little bit helps. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, please reach out through email or messenger. Sending you love, healing and blessings.